welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Chris Hewton to my Steve Cooper. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, the playoff final has seen the end of the championship season. What a season it's been, eh? Oh, it's it's been fantastic. It's I think the one thing we always forget is last season does no fans. So to get fans back in this season and it feel like normal again, it's been absolutely incredible. And it's been a season of drama and excitement. And it's probably been my favourite season we've, um, since we started covering the uh, championship through the podcast, definitely. Well, I was amazed because I completely forgot that this playoff final was the first one we've had in three years that wasn't in front of a limited uh, set of fans because mm-hmm. of the past couple have uh, obviously been suffering from the pandemic, which completely amazed me. So to actually have a full set of fans there was just amazing. And the game was a bit dry at parts, but the fact that we had fans there <laughs> made it all the more entertaining. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, a little bit easier to, to drink the tonic, wasn't it? Because, as I say, the, the game was... Uh... Not, it wasn't a, a classic by any means, no. um, but the fans and the atmosphere, it just led to it a lot more and um, that certainly helped get yeah. the neutral through it. If we had that game in front of an empty oh stadium <laughs> where you could hear the ball <laughs> echoing around it, it would have been a bit painful at times possibly, but when you had the fans there, it makes such a difference. But yeah. either way, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the number one championship specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Yes, we're going to talk about the playoff final, everything that happened in that game, including some controversial decisions. We will get to that, Huddersfield fans. And then in the second half of the show, we'll talk about what Premier League means for Nottingham Forest, what staying in the Championship means for Huddersfield, and then we'll finish off with some of the news from the past few days in the Championship as well. So Nottingham Forest are in the Premier League for the first time since 1999. They are back in the top flight. What an achievement by Steve Cooper. But let's talk about the game first of all, Justin. As we were saying, not a classic by any means. And I think the goal was pretty much a summary of how tight the game was. It was scrappy as anything, wasn't it? I, I, I don't even think it was scrappy. It was just pedestrian. Um, it was such a bizarre final, playoff final, because at no point did I feel that any either of these teams got out of second gear. Um, Huddersfield were incredibly passive and Forest were passive as well. But when they scored... They just defended. They just defended with a lot of discipline and structure, and it was made very easy for them by by Huddersfield's passiveness. Um, yeah, it was just incredibly pedestrian and quite disappointing, given how dramatic the semi-finals were. But I think that's always the case with with the playoffs. I think the tension definitely was there to see in both oh, yeah. the se- both yeah, sets yeah. of players. Once it, I think. Personally, it was a bit of a Steve Cooper masterclass, ignoring the two decisions, which we will get to, Huddersfield fans. I think it was a really well-managed game by Steve Cooper. And it almost was like a game of chess at times, wasn't it? Where every time Corbran tried to do something, Cooper was there to quickly adapt to the situation. That's why he is just such a good manager. Um, And the only time Huddersfield even came close was one good cross by Lewis O'Brien, which... Even then, Jordan Rhodes had to be telepathic with O'Brien to actually get any chance of getting on the end of that. So they really shut down the game brilliantly. The goal was scrappy. James Garner, 
a hopeful ball into the box and it's just ended up ricocheting into the top corner off Levi Cobble's knee. Mm-hmm. But then from that point, Sabri Salmon didn't have a save to make, did he? And neither yeah. did Horvath when he came onto uh, the pitch as well. So they completely shut down the game for us, didn't they? Yeah, spot on. And I think that's what I mean. I think I said in, a, in our preview, I think uh, yeah, Forest go one nil up early in the game. They win. They win the tie, and that that played out as it as it was, um, because what Steve Cooper has done with this Forest team is is he's built he's built it upon solid foundations. Um, and Chris Hutton, Sabri Lamushi, they were built on the same foundations, but they didn't have a cutting edge. They didn't have a creative edge either. Whereas this Forest team does. But when they don't have those those elements in their game, i.e., the the attacking play. Defensively, they're, they're they're absolutely spot on. They're brilliant, and they were in this game. And as you say, it was it was a reactive masterclass from Steve Cooper because obviously Dwayne Holmes came into the midfield and added a different dimension for Huddersfield. Cooper adapted the midfield to that, um, put in an extra midfielder in Colback um, and, and Garner just ahead of them, and it, you know made it a three midfield and stifled Huddersfield even more. Is now a good time to talk about decisions, Justin? Um... I think we need to. <laughs> <laughs> You, you take the lead here. Um, I'm getting hot <laughs> just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a really difficult game to judge based on two these two massive decisions because they swing the game. No matter how you look at it, they swing the game. So obviously the first one is, is Harry Toffolo's um, or Jack Colback's trip on Harry Toffolo. Now, Jack Colback's reaction tells you everything you need to know about this foul. Um, he, he literally thanks Jesus Christ. Um <laughs> He literally thanks Jesus Christ because it was it was a penalty. I think the contact was um, there was contact. I think Harry Toffler did make a little bit of a meal of it, but there was contact, um, and for me that is a penalty. No idea why John Moss has booked Harry Toffler for a dive. VAR should send John Moss to the laptop, computer, iPad thing to check it over. And then he will see it as a penalty. And then the second one, second one's a stonewall as you get. It's clumsy from Max Lowe. Um, and he trips Lewis O'Brien in the box. They are two really obvious penalties. I think the first one, there's debate over it. But once you see it over and over again, um, which you do in VAR, it's a penalty. Yeah. The, the first one, right, it's a clear penalty. How on earth that's not been given, I don't know. Maybe because Toffolo went down a bit dramatically... That's why it's not being given. So it's ridiculous that it's not being given, but okay, I can kind of see a small argument why. The second one is a stonewaller. That is as clear a penalty as it gets. Max Lowe could have RKO'd him and it wouldn't have been any less of a penalty than that is. And VAR didn't even look at it, Justin. No. Why Why on earth has VAR not checked that? That is the whole purpose of VAR, to go and look at decisions like that that have been missed because th- there's no argument how that isn't a penalty. And John Moss has come in. The reason he's come in is because he's a Premier League referee, right? <laughs> and these games have got too much at stake for wrong decisions. So that went well, didn't it? Because we're talk- this game is now not being overshadowed, but it's being marred somewhat by these two comical decisions. And people will blame VAR, 
I, which is going to irritate me because I don't think we should be blaming VAR. We should be blaming the people who are watching yeah. VAR, who are clearly watching horse racing or something, when that decision happens. Because how VAR can't see the second one in particular is astonishing. Yeah, I think um, I think it was Keith Hackett said on Twitter, the the ex Premier League referee Keith Hackett, um, he was wondering why neither one were consulted by VAR and overturned by VAR. Um, I, I'm completely astounded by the role VAR has played in this game. And as you said, VAR's come in to avoid controversies like this, but we're sat here talking about controversies. And as it's not VAR, that's the issue. You rightly point out, it is Paul Tierney who was the VAR official and it's John Moss for getting the decision wrong again uh, as well. Um, I mean, the appointment of John Moss is, is controversial in itself. He's... He's passed his best as a as a top flight official, so why he's getting the biggest game or one of one of the most significant games in the footballing calendar in in British football um, is beyond me. Uh, I I don't know what else to say about it other than this puts the EFL under a spotlight because I feel like we need to see a statement and we need to see an explanation as well as to why neither foul was given. I think that's what we need to that, that we need to see justification because. Every football fan knows both of those are fouls. It's completely, I don't know, I'm lost for words now. I can't. I'd be amazed if there's any Forest fans out there who don't think the second one in particular is a penalty because Mm. I I just can't see an argument for it. And Huddersfield will be outraged. I can guarantee that for sure. And it wouldn't surprise me if we see more on this in the coming days from a Huddersfield perspective. Um, But let's ignore all that now, Justin. It's... It's done with, isn't it? It's yeah. not going to change anything. Forest are a Premier League side. And take a step back from it. It's something that we've been saying over and over again for the past few months on this podcast. What an incredible job Steve Cooper has done. It's It's been pounded out there on every single Twitter account for the past God knows how long. One point from seven games. For Forest to get promoted at that stage is amazing isn't it? Particularly mm-hmm. when you consider they nearly got automatically promoted, but I don't think anyone can say across the course of the season they've not deserved promotion, have they? Spot they, on. Um, I, they, they, wait, um, did I get that right? They they did deserve they did deserve promotion is what I'm trying to say. Yes. They, uh, they, that was right once they, to what I said. <laughs> I, th- I think so. Hey, it's the last yes. show of the season. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, I know we'd be banging the same drum that everyone else has been banging but if I put it into some context when when Forrest played Derby at Pride Park in August under Chris Hewton um, they put in one of the worst performances I've seen from an opposition side and and that was at that point Derby were they didn't have any players there to play Tom Lawrence as a false nine and Ravel Morrison as a centre attacking midfielder and it worked out throughout the season but you know that, that plan was very um, infant at that point Forrest were hopeless they were terrible um, they came out in the second half they played a lot better so for Steve Cooper to turn around, not only the the playing side of things, but also he's got fans back on board. Um, Forest fans, it's an incredibly passionate fan base. It can get volatile quite quickly as well because of bad decisions that have been made upstairs. But he's completely turned that club around. He's turned the club around. Dame Murphy's helped, but Steve Cooper, the face of it, has turned the club around. And I don't think you can really... Um, put that into into any sort of context because as, as I say the, the Forest were a club that were just languishing they were doing nothing they were a nothing club and that sounds harsh 
but I don't think anyone can disagree with me that Forest were going nowhere until Steve Cooper came in. Yeah, you're absolutely spot on. And I remember when we were talking about around the time that Chris Hughton got sacked, it looked like there was something wrong with the club. Like there, there was this poison in the club that just yeah. couldn't be eradicated by anyone. And Steve Cooper's done it. And for him to do that is an astonishing achievement because Forrest were the club who have spent the longest time in the whole of the Football League, the exactly. longest time in the same division. So for someone to finally get that over the line and do it in the style that he's done it is amazing. And for me, he's one of the best young British managers the country's got at the moment, possibly even the best. I think you can make a very good argument for it because what he's done in his short managerial career so far is amazing and Forrest have got themselves a a quality manager, a top quality manager Mm -hmm. and hopefully he stays at the helm for the foreseeable future as well because they're going in the right direction as long as he's there. Mm -hmm. What a job he's done, Dustin, what a job. Um, Justin, let's take a quick break. After that, we'll talk about the Premier League trees, what's going to happen to Huddersfield next and then some of the news from the Championship in the past few days. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. So we now know where Huddersfield and Nottingham Forest are going to be playing their football next season. So let's start off with Huddersfield, shall we, Justin, since we know they're going to be sticking around in the second tier next season. Um, Obviously, a fantastic season for them themselves. I I don't think that should be ignored, considering they're on the losing side of this particular contest, because it's been a remarkable season for them. Let's talk about that first of all. What a job Carlos Corbran and Huddersfield have done this season. Yeah, it's, it's been incredible, um, and I know there's there's a lot said about Luton and what they've spent on their on their squad, um, but Huddersfield have spent nothing this season on their team. Um, they brought in Tom Lees, and I I raised my eyebrows at um, the signing of Tom Lees. I, I had no idea what why they were doing that because I thought Tom Lees was done at this division uh, at this level, um, but he's been brilliant, and that's that's down to the faith and the the quality of coaching and the system and style of play deployed by Carlos Corbran. And he's had to make tweaks as well because you look at how terrible they were defensively last season. Um, they were absolutely hopeless. And if the game was, if the season was five or six games longer, um, Huddersfield probably would have gone down. Um, that's just, I'm just sort of exemplifying how poor they were. Um, and I'd say he's tightened them up. They're one of the best defensive units in the league this season. Um, and in terms of what they've got from players as well, Sorba Thomas, for example, even Dwayne Holmes. Dwayne Holmes has been brilliant, especially over the last three months. Dwayne Holmes has been absolutely fantastic. Danny Ward as well. Danny Ward has, has been reliable. He's been a reliable source of goals, which is something that he's not really been able to do throughout his career. Um, so you've, you've just got to take your hat off to, to, to Corbran and Huddersfield for, for, for getting a lot out of not a lot, if that makes sense. Yeah, I completely agree. Don't really have much more to add on that front. So looking at them next season, Justin, what are you expecting from the Terriers? I would hope there's another playoff push. Um, I think it's, it's it's very difficult to to say at this point because teams who usually uh, falter in the playoffs and 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 come up short the the following season season is is never as um, never as many highs as there was the previous season. Um, so obviously you got to take it. A, a pinch of salt, but I think they need to be aiming for another another push for the playoffs. It's difficult with their, their budget, but you hope that there's a little bit of investment because you can see that there's not much 
there isn't much that needs to be added to this squad to make it better than than what it is. Probably a little bit more attacking talent. I feel this game shows me that they need a, a an attacking player in midfield to 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 get more out of them in possession because, as I say, they, they were really poor in possession in this in this playoff final. I personally struggled to see Huddersfield pushing for the playoffs again just because you look at the teams who are going to be in there next season. You've got the three who have been relegated. You've got Middlesbrough, who under Chris Wilder look like they'll be very dangerous next season. Mm-hmm. Um, West Brom can't be as bad as they were this season. Of course, there's Sheffield United as well. And there's going to be a couple of other sides who will yeah. definitely be up there. So it's going to be really tough for Huddersfield to repeat the season they've had, especially when you consider Lewis O'Brien's probably going to leave because mm. Premier League clubs are going to be circling around him. Levi Colwell has been a rock at the back, but I I can't foresee him having another season at championship level either because he's just bloody amazing. So that's two really important players for Huddersfield going out the door and the league's getting tougher. So... Mm. I unfortunately for Huddersfield, I struggled to see it going again. Carlos Corban's a fantastic manager, so they could easily um, have another great season considering their budget. Um, yeah. But I think a top half finish would probably be realistic for them. Playoffs, possibly. The recruitment's got to be spot on, but it, it's going to be tough for them to have another sniff at the top six, unfortunately, just because of the standard of the division next season. Um, Let's talk Forest then, Justin. Going to be in the Premier League for the first time since 1999. Um, What are you thinking then with the tricky trees? It's bonkers, isn't it? Because there are... I mean, it's said in Coventry, there's generations of fans who have never seen Forest in the Premier League. So what do you expect from them? Um, And... It's, it's difficult but I think if they add a little bit more quality um, I think defensively they're fine if they can try and get Jed Spence back in that would be fantastic that would be the dream um, They, I think they never, I think they do need another left back or a left wing back because I don't think I like Jack Colback and I like the job that he's done but asking him to do that job in the Premier League I think is quite a quite a big a big task um, but I feel like that back five is, is almost is almost there for, for Premier League Warrell, Cook and McKenna will do very well in the top flight. It's just whether they can add, add in win-backs. Um, going forwards, probably need a, another couple of midfielders as well. I think there's a long shopping list that needs to be added into this Forest team and I hope that they get recruitment right and hope that Steve Cooper is heavily involved in recruitment because you can see his impact this season. The January transfer window was huge for Forest, and that was him. That was him putting... And putting his targets down and saying, go and get these players um, and look what he turned Forrest into. Well, I said in the playoff preview that I think Forrest will do better than Bournemouth and Fulham and nothing's changed my mind, quite frankly. Mainly because of Steve Cooper, as I say, one of the best young British managers in the country right now, for my money. Such a good tactician, is willing to adapt to whatever the opponents are doing and I think his style of football will suit suitor side Bathin stay up to a T and he can get the best out of whatever group of players he's got but also because of the recruitment that Forrest have shown over the past season under Dane Murphy it's a small sample size but it looks like they have some sort of plan about what they're going to do and Mm -hmm. it's going to be better than Fulham and Bournemouth who just their approach just seems to be sign all of them and uh, see which ones uh, float to the top um, whereas Forrester have got it spot on from what we've seen this season yeah. so 
I really think Forest um, can stay up next season. And I, right now, if you ask me, I'd say they're more likely to stay up than Bournemouth and Fulham. That is obviously saying that before they've had a summer's worth of recruitment. But mm. I think Forest can be brilliant. And, and credit to the Premier League as well, because aside, they, they've been out of the division for so long, haven't they? And they are yeah. obviously one of the biggest clubs outside of the Premier League. And it's been too long for them to be out of for a club that size to be out of the top flight. Um, so it's going to be good to see them in the Premier League and uh, be very interesting to see how they do as well. But I think they'll do really well. Um, there we go, Justin. Another championship season passed us by. How about that? I don't know about you. I think it's gone ridiculously quick. It always does. It always does. But um, I, I think even if you look at clips back in... Um, Back in sort of the the early stage of the season, we look a lot uh, a lot younger, a lot slimmer, and uh, a lot healthier, a lot more healthier. Definitely a lot slimmer. Uh, <laughs> we're a bit further forward <laughs> forward as well. <laughs> um, how would you sum up this season, Justin? Before we go into the news, I think it's I think it's been I think it's been brilliant. Um, I think it's uh, I it shines a spotlight on on parachute payments, but also I think it shines a spotlight on on clubs that do it properly um the Luton Towns the Huddersfields even you're going towards your Middlesbrough's um you know teams that recruit smart bring players through their academy um and go through there so I think it's been one of those seasons where you can be really proud as a as a as a championship neutral but also really frustrated at parachute payments and their impact yeah I think you're pretty much spot on there you've got clubs it the, the season has shown in a way that if you run your club right and recruit right exactly yeah. then you do well, as we've seen with Luton, Huddersfield, um, to, to a lesser extent, Forest as well. Um, but then, of course, the parachute payment teams, ignoring West Brom, because that's just been a dumpster fire. But, you know, the, the other three spaces that we haven't mentioned in the in the top six have been occupied by teams who have got parachute payments. And unfortunately, that's not going to change, but that's a discussion for another day, Justin. Right, now it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news and Derby's takeover is expected to be complete by Tuesday. American businessman Chris Kirchner has posted on Twitter confirming the news and says it's been a long journey, but we are now here. Maybe we'll talk about that after Tuesday just to make sure that it's actually over the line, <laughs> Justin. Um, let's go to transfer news. We'll start with one that caught everyone off guard, including the club who are losing him, apparently. Luton defender Cal Naismith is joining Bristol City. Justin a completely and utterly bizarre move. Yeah, you got to bear in mind this was Friday night. Um, yeah, this came out on Friday night and uh, obviously Stranger Things dropped and so did Obi-Wan. So my mind was preoccupied then with Carl Naismith. And Speaking this of Stranger Things. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, completely surprised. I, I'll be honest with you, I thought he was under, under contract for another season. I did not realise his contract was due to expire. Which also surprised me, um, but yeah, a completely a completely bonkers announcement. But fair play to Bristol City for moving quickly because I think even Bristol City fans, the ones I've been speaking to, have said they're surprised he hasn't gone to a club competing higher up the table or who have been competing higher up the table. You look at Middlesbrough, for example, it'd have been perfect for Chris Wilder's system. So it's quite quite interesting that that move didn't materialise in any way, shape, or form. But fair play to Bristol City. Bristol City for moving quickly. Obviously, disappointed for Luton. Really disappointed for Luton, but that's the model they they have at the club. 
yeah, I don't think anyone can dispute it's a cracking signing, can they? Mm. But in my opinion, it's a move that is quite clearly motivated by money. But I'm not going to criticise Naismith for that because we have got to remember he's 30 now. Yeah, Most of his career, he's been playing below the championship and he can't have been earning a fat wage at Luton, putting it politely. So this is his last chance for a big payday. And I don't think you can hold that against him. In terms of, of his career, it's undoubtedly a backward step. I don't mean in terms of club size or anything like that, by the way. I don't want to get into that debate that's been raging on Twitter over the past few days. But he's going from a club who's been chasing promotion and I personally believe is on the right track to being a Premier League side. Um, But he's gone to a side who I wouldn't be surprised to see in a relegation battle next season. So strange in that sense, but I think think it is just purely that. It's a money move for Naismith. I'm not saying he's earning, you know, it's not like he's going to the Middle East or anything like that, but he's (laughs) earning more than he would do at Luton, put it that way. Cracking signing for Bristol City, though. I don't think anyone can dispute that. On the signing... Luton said, we were surprised to discover from our fellow Championship Club's announcement without advance warning, as is the usual etiquette, that Naismith has rejected the opportunity of a new contract at Kenilworth Road. So they're clearly not best pleased. But do Mm. you think Luton will be able to cope with that loss? Yeah, I was was looking at their squad depth on Saturday and I was thinking they've got Tom Lockyer, they've got um, Sonny Bradley there as well. There's there's Rhys Burke. And if you think back to Matty Pearson leaving last season, Rhys Burke came in. That's a very good move for them. Um, they they have the ability to to replace him within the club, um, and it wouldn't be surprised. It wouldn't surprise me if they 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 go out and get another centre half anyway, because they've got a lot of depth there. Can they get someone as versatile and as consistent as Cal Smith? I don't think they could, but I think they'll be able to plug plug the gap quite easily. Well, I remember last summer when Luton lost James Collins and Matty Pearson, two really important players for them. Yeah. And then, of course, Kin and Dewsbury Hall went back to Leicester as well. Mm. I, I was a bit worried about them when that happened. And then they brought in more, uh, they, they replaced them and everything's yeah. been fine since. So they've shown that before they're able to come back stronger after suffering some big losses. And I've got no doubt that they'll do it again. You say... Um, you won't be able to get someone as consistent. I, I disagree personally. I, I think Luton have shown before that they're more than capable of getting even better because they are just that savvy with their recruitment and they've got arguably the best recruitment team in the championship from what we've mm-hmm. seen over the past couple of seasons. Let's go to another big move, Justin. Uh, John Swift He's going to West Brom. The midfielder will join when his contract at Reading expires this summer. I think this is a real statement of intent from the Albion. It is, because when you think about it, creating chances wasn't an issue for for West Brom. It's putting them away, but they've gone out and got John Swift, who was one of the best number 10s in the division last season. Um, I was surprised that there wasn't Premier League interest in John Swift, because I think, what, 13 goals or or 11 goals and 13 assists? A large amount of goals and assists for a team that's struggling at the bottom of the division, that should alert some Premier League clubs to go out and think, okay, maybe he's worth it. But that's West Brom's gains. They've got a, a, a player for me who is capable of stepping into the Premier League. And they've got him for nothing. They've got him on a three-year deal and he's going to add so much more to an already pretty good attack. Well, Steve Bruce was saying they wanted a midfielder who can score goals from midfield and really... Mm-hmm kind of plays that number 10 role, but he's also capable of dropping deeper as well. And Steve Bruce said, 
John Swift was top of the list of players that they wanted and they've gone out and got him. And it is a cracking signing for West mm. Brom. I think it's going to be interesting to see how they play with him because obviously they've got Mowat, they've got Livermore, they've got Gordon Hickman as well. Um, I'm guessing this is Bruce's move towards playing four at the back again and three in midfield. Midfield yeah. of Swift, Mowat and Livermore. Quite tasty. It's nice. Yeah, yeah, it's quite nice. So, yeah, <laughs> this looks like it's a move towards that. And I think it's a quality signing from West Brom. And uh, he's going to be a dangerous player for them next season because, as we all know, he's one of the best centre midfielders in the championship, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Uh, final signing that we've had recently is Rotherham. They've signed Charlton striker Connor Washington. Anything on that one, Justin? Again, quite a surprise, but he's a, he's a good, hard-working forward. Um didn't really get the a, a really good opportunity at QPR, um, and he and he has shown that he can score goals. He's not prolific, but he certainly he will make defenders uncomfortable, um, and that is something that Rotherham will need. Uh, I think it's a good pickup, not inspiring, but I think it's a, a decent addition nonetheless. It's a very Rotherham signing. Isn't it? <laughs> he is a, yes. a useful striker, um, but as you say, he's not prolific. But Rotherham. Are, the kind of side who can get players playing above their previous levels. Exactly. And um, I think Washington, he's always, he's always been one of them who I thought possibly could do it at championship, at championship level, but obviously just never has. Um, maybe this is his time. We'll have to wait and see. And finally, Sheffield United right back, George Bulldog has been called up to the Greece squad. The 29-year-old was born in Buckingham, but is eligible to play for the Greek national side through his grandmother. How about that, eh, Justin? You've got... Bulldog playing for Greece, Callum Styles for Hungary, Brereton Diaz for Chile. I, for one, am thoroughly enjoying English-born footballers playing for miscellaneous countries. I love it. I love it. But can we also petition Sam Bulldog to get a call-up as well, please? Is he even playing for anyone at the moment? He's signed a new deal at Oxford, so... Oh, OK. So let's, let's, um, let's send an email to the Greek FA. Let's see what they say and see if we can... Marry this up and, and get the Bulldog, to, Bulldog brothers playing for Greece together. That'd be amazing. I think Bulldog and Simicass at wing-back either side for Greece is quite dangerous. I would not say no to that if I was Greek. <laughs> Finally, it's time for Scott High or Ryan Lowe. It's essentially higher or lower. So with the season over, the next bit of football for us to look forward to, Justin, is with England. Unless you're a Cardiff or Swansea fan. So in the spirit of watching the Three Lions, I'm going to give Justin a load of ex-England players. All he's got to do is tell me whether they've got more or fewer caps than the previous player. Justin, are you ready to take on Scott High or Ryan Lowe? I'm disappointed this isn't the usual game we play because something that loves me raging on a on a Sunday evening. But yeah, let's let's play Scott High or Ryan Lowe. Let's go. I thought I thought I'd mix it up because we've played a lot of uh, the other game recently, haven't yeah, we? But it's good fun, though, isn't it? It, it is good this, fun. Th- this it, might be as well. I'm not. I'm yeah. not. You're doing a good job. I'm not criticising. Cheers, mate. Cheers. I always like getting praise from you. Um, So the first number is this. It's 20. So the first player you've got to figure out whether he's got more or fewer caps than 20 is Mika Richards. Uh, Is the number of England caps he's got Scott High or Ryan Low than 20? Low. I think Mika Richards got something like 12 caps. This is one of them Wikipedia binges I do. I always find myself on Mika Richards' page. don't know why. Interesting. He's got 13 caps, so you're absolutely mm. right. It was Ryan Lowe. I I anticipated him having a lot more because he played a lot during the like during the early stages of his career before it obviously went the way it did. Um, 
so 13 is your new number. Scott Parker is next. Is it Scott High or Ryan Lowe than 13? Yeah, he featured heavily under Roy Hodgson. And he almost carried England through the Euro 2012. So I'm going to say he's, he's, uh, he's more than 13. He's higher. You're absolutely right. He's got 18 caps under his name. Less than Scotty Parker. Yeah. Um, next one is your new number is 18. Aaron Lennon is your next one. Higher or lower? Higher. It's wingers, wingers coming through in the mid-2000s. Jermaine Genius is one of them. Unusually high amount of caps. So he must be in the 30s. I was astonished to find out he's got 21 caps. That mm. completely blew me away, Justin. I thought I, I could not at all remember a time when Aaron Lennon played for England, let alone no, 21 times. Um, plus, he was around during the latter stages of Beckham, Walcott. Just amazed me. Um, but you're right. Yeah, he's got 21 caps. Uh, so that's your new number. Next one is Robbie Fowler, higher or lower? That's a difficult one, that is. Mm. He's one of the players that, a bit like Andy Cole, should have had more caps, but didn't. Tw- uh, 21's a new number, is it? Yep. I reckon he's got... I reckon it's lower. 26 caps. Actually higher oh. than I thought it was. So that's the first mm. one you got wrong. You've got three out of four so far. Um, 26 is your new number. Next one is Andy Carroll, higher or lower? <laughs> We're getting into the uh, territory. I thought it was going a bit easy. Andy Carroll, um, Higher or than surely he's got less. Surely he's less than 26 caps. I can only recall Euro 2012 where Andy Carroll played for England. Surely. He's got nine caps. You're absolutely okay. right. I, for some reason, I thought he played a lot more. Um, so I'm surprised you got that one. Uh, but you're right. So you've got four out of five so far. Your new number's nine. Ricky Lambert, higher or lower than nine? Surely that's nine. Uh, Lower than nine. Surely. Ricky Lambert has got 11 England caps. 11, Justin. (laughs) When did that happen? (laughs) 11. I'm actually speechless. When did he play for England? I do not remember this at all. I remember him. Was, I think I remember him making his debut. Scotland, Apart from that, it? yeah, cannot remember him playing eleven times for England. That is, um, stuff. Oh, we had some shit, didn't we? Jesus Christ! Oh, we went through some crazy stages. Um, next up, you've got four so far. Um, so your new number's eleven. Scott Carson, higher or lower? He didn't play after two thousand eight, and after the infamous Croatia game, and. Mm. Or maybe he did, actually. I think it's lower. Than 11? Yeah. He's got four England caps. So you're absolutely mm. right. Uh, you got five out of eight, I think. Um, so your new number's four. Carlton Cole, higher or lower? No. He's uncapped, surely. What, higher or lower, lower than four? Lower. lower. Seven England caps. Are you taking the piss? I'm not taking the piss. He's got seven <laughs> caps, Justin. That's unreal. Ricky Lambert, I can remember in, a, in an England shirt. Carlton Cole, when? I need proof exactly. of this. We do. I need to... I'm getting straight on Wikipedia after this. That is... Wow. 
I'm, I'm even real. doubting it myself now. Let me just double check. That is right, isn't it? I didn't make an absolute clanger and mix him up with Andy Cole. No, seven in the caps. I, okay. I, nothing else to add. Um, finally then, Justin, this is your last one. James Madison, higher or lower than seven England caps? See, it's really recent, but I can't recall James Madison playing for England. He must have two or three caps when he's not sat in a casino. I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to say lower than seven. James Madison's only got a single England cap to his name. There you go. Which you go. is poor. Um, considering the season he's had as well. Surprised he wasn't yeah. in the latest England squad, but the fact he's only got one. He had that that season under Leicester that he, that he had. He was a, a, an amazing player. He was, he was, but there were better players than him. I think that's the thing. There were there are better number tens than him, and also he lost Southgate's trust, which I think people forget about. Hmm. Possibly. There we go, ladies and gentlemen. You got six there, Justin. Six out of I think nine, which is not bad going. I'll take it. I'm I'm quite yeah. happy with that. Yeah, there's that's what I mean. There were some surprising individuals there. I, the beauty of this is that I I have no idea who you're going to say. So you've Carlton really got to be Cole, seven yeah. England caps. That's unreal. Um, He's got two less than Andy Carroll. Too fewer. I will struggle to get any sleep tonight. I I honestly mm. will, knowing that this has happened. Um, but there we go, ladies and gentlemen. The championship season wrapped up for you right there. Um, the next time you hear from us will be on Thursday. We're going to do a team-by-team review of each championship side. We'll give them each a grade for the season they've had. We'll talk about where they need to strengthen in the summer and give an early prediction on how they'll do next season. It's going to be a two-parter, so you'll have the first half on Thursday and then the second half on Sunday. So we look forward to speaking to you then. Otherwise, this has been the Second Tier Podcast. We look forward to speaking to you again on Thursday. And also, actually, thank you for supporting us across the course of the season as well. Maybe now is the opportune time to do it. But what a season it's been. Thank you for the season that we've had. We've grown much bigger than I ever expected (laughs) across the course of the season, Justin. It's been a marvellous ride. Um, A couple of bumpy moments here and there, but I wouldn't expect any difference. So if you have been listening to us across the course of the season... Thank you so much for your support. As always, if you'll recommend us to any of your friends of whichever club you support, we're eternally grateful. And also, as usual, if you could leave us a review or give us a shout out on Twitter, again, we'll go a long way to helping us grow as a podcast even further. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for your support across the course of the season. Look forward to speaking to you again next season. But, of course, we will be back again on Thursday. So, this has been the Second Tier Podcast. I've been Ryan Dilks. I'll be just in peach. Colton Cole, seven England caps. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.